0: Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries the Latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. This week, have kind of a, a hybrid episode this week. Um, we're gonna first start things off here in a little bit. I talked with Gabe Lempelabella. We talked about uh, Crimes of the Future, the new David Cronenberg movie that is out in cinemas now. It's quite good. It's a kind of throwback return for Cronenberg to the kind of gnarly, uh, grotesque body horror movies that he sort of built his name on in the late 70s and early 80s. So definitely check out that conversation. We also kind of talked about you know, Cronenberg's larger filmography and some of the themes that he has returned to over the decades and how uh, this new movie kind of picks up the baton and carries those themes into new directions. Uh, And afterwards stick around uh, because I will be interviewing Andrew on the director of the new film fire Island, which is now available to watch on Hulu. Also got a chance to speak with one of the cast members of the movie, Torian Miller, Uh, They were in town here in Atlanta for an early screening of the film. And I got to talk with them the next day after the screening happened. Um, Quite a fun movie. Uh, It is basically kind of like a modern day update on Pride and Prejudice uh, centered around a group of gay friends who go to the popular uh, island destination for a weekend of partying and hooking up and uh, just kind of fun frivolities and uh, well you know if you if you know the the story of Pride and Prejudice, you probably know where it's going from there but it's it's quite a fun movie. Um, these two were were very fun to talk to as well. Uh, so definitely just stick around for that interview. but for right now, here's Gabe. We're t- gonna talk about David Cronenberg buckle up. All right, uh pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Gabe Lampalumbella. Sir, welcome. It's it's been it's been a while. I guess the last time you were back here was Spider-Man, which doesn't feel that long ago, although it like occurs to me now that was like 6 months ago. Yeah, it's kind of
1: crazy, I guess because how much of a phenomenon that movie was and how long it stayed in theaters. Right. It doesn't feel like that long, but I'm glad to be back and for something that's kind of the polar opposite of Spider-Man.
0: Yes, so brought you on today cuz you and I both uh not together but we both saw Crimes of the Future this weekend. Uh another kind of movie event in of itself um in in you know going from us bringing up Spider-Man to another ki- different kind of movie event um mm-hmm. coincidentally like sandwiched between two huge summer blockbusters between top gun coming out and the jurassic park movie coming out this weekend and in the middle i think for for a breed of of cinephile i think a new david cronenberg movie is is something special especially since he has not made a new movie in it's been it's been eight years i i like look back at maps to the stars his previous movie was just movie gonna was, ask yeah it's like 2014 i believe is when he releases that movie um i don't know that it gets like full distribution that year but that's the year it starts premiering at festivals so like it, he yeah. he for a while was considered i think by many it, and he's even admitted to it in recent interviews like was retired essentially and kind of got pulled out of the woodwork for this movie which i guess has been sitting around somewhere in a drawer for like 20 some years and mm-hmm. now kind of has this reinvigorated uh sense of creativity and and seems to have other projects in the back burner but um let's let's first just talk about like the man the myth the legend himself i mean what's what is you do you have a specific relationship to david cronenberg and kind of like where do you fall on the kind of cronenberg filmography because he is i will say like one of our great provocateurs oh 100 like in terms of people who i think master in what is unsettling and what is gross and what is viscerally upsetting. And that's not always everyone's cup of tea, but I think if you're in the mood for something to, to really just sort of horrify you or get under your skin, or as I said, sort of provoke your sense of imagination or your sort of intellectual side of your brain. I I think he is, he's one of the best we have working and really has been one of the best since probably the late seventies.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, he's a go-to for like you said, that visceral body horror esque sort of filmmaking. And I know, you know, you have two scales with Cronenberg, you have The fly and then you have something like history of violence or Eastern promises. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, if, if, I'm going to put myself in one of those pedestals. I'm much more in the Eastern Promises history of violence camp Mm -hmm. um, compared to, you know, in my review that's going to go live soon, I kind of make a point to say he's someone I've always run hot and cold with. Mm. Um, The movies of his that I like, I like a lot and really kind of stick out to me and are movies that I usually see myself revisiting every six months. Mm -hmm. Um, But the ones of his that I really dislike, I – dislike with a vigor um you know so it's it's he's one of those filmmakers that i really admire and i'm always going to go see whatever he's releasing opening weekend just to kind of be in on that conversation and i think Mm -hmm. what you said especially about this being sandwiched in between two summer blockbusters is pretty interesting Mm -hmm. because you know normally you expect someone like cronenberg to release a film award season early fall maybe get like this a premiere at cans but then wait another three months before our eyes get to be on it but uh it was definitely an interesting one
0: yeah i think the release strategy almost i think makes more sense because i i mean i'm almost bored with the like what is an oscar movie conversation after the oscars have yeah. burned me so many times but you know i i I don't. I think it's fair to say this isn't a this isn't Cronenberg in sort of Oscar gear mode, no. um, which I think is great. Um, I I I think there's been times where he's gone in that gear mode, w- such as um, what's the one where Viggo Mortensen and Michael Fassbender are playing like Carl Young and Sigmund Freud, and Knightley Knightley's oh, also in it. But it, a it's dangerous like, method, yeah. Which I remember thinking was like okay like had some great performances in it but just sort of felt like him in a minor gear and Mm -hmm. i prefer cronenberg when he is very visceral and very in your face and is really uncompromising and i guess just kind of getting back to like the release date with this movie of it it almost made sense kind of like it to get neon being smart releasing it the week after it played at the con film festival and even though it didn't take home any awards at that festival there was already sort of a built-in buzz of then just, like, right around the corner, like, oh, okay, this, like, must much, much buzzed-about return from David Cronenberg that's also specifically a return to the kind of grotesque body horror that he sort of made his name on in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, it's probably kind of a smart business move in, oh, yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Um, I guess just thinking about Cronenberg and and as in sort of a bigger sense, in kind of the the themes and things that tie together his career, you know, mention those kind of like early body horror movies, which it sounds like you're not as as big of a, a fan of, I mean, which understandable. Um, I'll defend I, I,
1: Crash all the live long day.
0: See, I will I th- say, I will say, Crash almost falls into this like second era. Like like to me, there's kind of like the early stuff, which is um you know there's there's a great kind of quote by the british film critic mark kermode who's a big cronenberg fan and talks about how cronenberg works with visual metaphors he sort of takes these ideas these sort of literary ideas that you would see in like a novel or in like a song and he turns them into like living flesh and blood essentially and that's kind of what a lot of these body horror movies he's doing like whether it's something like Videodrome or Scanners or The Brood or probably most famously The Fly that you mentioned the, yes. the remake with Jeff Goldblum which I would would you say that's probably like if if we have any listeners that first of all weird if you're listening to a David Cronenberg episode and you haven't seen a David Cronenberg movie but also yeah, well, but also welcome and maybe The Fly is probably like the best gateway between like I think you fully get what he's capable of as a filmmaker, while also it's it's a bit more popcorn than something like Videodrome, for example. Or Existence. Right, right. Which is sort of like him doing, like, what if I could do Videodrome again, but with video games this time, instead of, right. uh, instead of television. Um, Videodrome also, like, I rewatched that recently. When was the last time you've seen that movie, if you've seen it at all?
1: Oh, man. It's probably been... Probably right around the same time because, you know, of course, being a, a young bur- burdening film fan, mm-hmm. you know, my Cronenberg itch was kind of brought on at a much later stage. Right. So it was probably in that 2012, maybe, might have been 2013, right after Cosmopolis.
0: Okay. Um, so that's, about, of- that's about the same for me of like, I remember I was I was a teenager when I saw it. And let, let me tell you, after having revisited it this past week um maybe more relevant than er ever him making a movie that i mean who watches tv anymore but like um you know him making a movie that is on some level about screens and a culture that's obsessed with like looking at your screen and how what you are experiencing on that screen is distorting your sense of reality and then the almost even added meta aspect of having someone oh, like yeah. James Woods who has now turned into this like weird alt-right like internet <laughs> troll.
1: It plays in a much more relevant sense. I think yes. now than it ever did years ago. Yeah. Hands down.
0: Yeah. I, I was just, I I remember n- liking it at the time when I saw it as a teenager, but I, I just had to point that one out of like, If you have not revisited that recently, when I watched that again this week, I was like, holy cow, this like still so clearly has like its finger on the thumb of maybe now more than ever when it when it came out about a lot of the sociological ideas that it's it's talking about, which I think is kind of the key to a lot of those those early movies, as much as they have like exploding heads or like something like the brood where like. A woman has this, like, weird tumor that's, like, giving birth to, like, mutant children that are oh. going around and, like, <laughs> you know. The- you know,
1: it's it's always surprising in how he uses the gore. And I think, right. even though that's not my favorite thing, it's always interesting to see how he's going to kind of throw the punch, so to speak, in his right. movies. and. It always gets a visceral reaction. I mean, yeah. look at Crimes of the Future and the walkouts at the festival. I mean, that yeah. right there is a big indicator of who he is.
0: And I think he knows how to use that violence and that gore. So it is both effective, but it's not empty. Like, you know, right. the the sort of disgusting climatic scene I was talking about with, like, the brood of, like, that—that that is sort of an allegorical representation of, like, the the that you know that's basically like his kramer versus kramer movie it's like the divorce the divorce movie and then like these mutant children that are just being like crawling out of this like gross egg sack like cyst that's growing on this woman is like they're like the manifestation of all the like hatred and resentment at the heart of this marriage that's falling apart and how that just like poisons the environment around you um right And then I would say kind of what you were hinting at with Crash, like then in the late 80s into kind of the 90s, I would say his filmmaking is still like very, very provocative. It's still very unsettling at places, but it's much more psychological. You know, a movie like Crash, which is probably the most controversial movie he's ever made. I would say so. Is about people with this, basically chasing this like, unobtainable desire like pe- people who are fascinated by this erotic desire to get in car crashes because they're sort of chasing at least my interpretation of that movie right. is like they, they are chasing this high and the movie is also in this very like detached alienated aesthetic to where like ev- everything in that movie is numb and and everything just sort of like except of what's right in front of you just sort of blows out in the background and just sort of shows you the narrow focus of these people where it's just it's all about that that next hit that next chasing that inevitable people who can't feel anything maybe Mm -hmm. a a, a parallel we could even make to this (laughs) this most recent movie people who can't feel anything putting destroying their bodies in order to feel some sort of erotic sense of uh exuberance i guess or even attempt to feel that right exactly and and i think
1: that's always an idea he's flirted with i would say even as far back as something like the fly Mm -hmm. but you kind of hit the nail on the head right around the time of crash in 93 I think that's when he fully leaned into those ideas of desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say even something like Eastern Promises, you know, mm-hmm. going into more early 2000s, that's a desire for brotherhood and, and identity in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And I think it's cool to see him build upon that
2: mm-hmm. from
1: something like The Fly that, you know, I know some people almost consider exploitative, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd go that far he's grown. Yes. He he he's had an a arc in his career that I think if you know you're like us or have seen most of his films it's it's interesting to pick up on. For yeah. sure.
0: Have you ever seen Dead Ringers which I think of as kind of the movie that sort of transitions into this more psychological or psychosexual sort of period of of his so career? So I have not. So that's one I revisited this past week and was pretty blown away by it's essentially jeremy irons playing a set of twins who are gynecologists um i on it the the jeremy irons performance or performances is pretty incredible in how cronenberg makes them like almost like in you almost in some scenes as an audience member can't distinguish one from the other Mm. and but their personalities are very different um and the movie is sort of this creepy, almost unsettling look at this sort of connection between this sort of psychological connection they have with this physiological connection. And these two men who are almost so identical that they have to share in each other's experiences, including sharing in experiences with other women and how and th- this this inability to sort of separate themselves from each other and how any attempt to separate themselves from one another, or if another person becomes latched onto another per- to a partner or something like that, it becomes this equally codependent relationship and even bringing out all of, you know, the fact that they're gynecologists, Cronenberg is able to both bring out a certain, eroticism out of of that kind of relationship i mean Mm -hmm. i'm maybe not the best person to speak on that as a man (laughs) what it's like to go to the gynecologist but cronenberg finds a way to like bring an eroticism of like what if super hot jeremy Irons was your gynecologist while also sometimes the visceral terror of being a woman in that kind of like vulnerable position and having a man that's like sticking utensils up up in you and is is able to both make that erotic in some scenes while also very kind of like unnerving and stressful in other scenes um i I would say if you haven't seen it uh, there's just some stuff in there where i have no idea how he was able to pull off having irons playing two different characters in the same scene that are interacting in like the late 80s without cgi and Hmm. any of that stuff okay Um, i've got
1: to go back and revisit for sure
0: and obviously in this period too you know he's adapting works like he's adapting stephen king's the dead zone mm-hmm. he's adapting naked lunch um probably the best example of him taking like elaborate literary metaphors yes. and is like i'm going to like turn this into a like living breathing kind of weird creature on screen um and then kind of his later period i i think the big thing that i think of with his later work that you've mentioned like eastern promises is his relationship with Viggo Mortensen who's also in this movie and they're a pairing that I wouldn't have necessarily thought worked together um but it works exceptionally right I'm sure for a lot of people that just know Viggo Mortensen for you know playing dashing Aragorn and in the the Lord of the Rings movies seeing him team up with someone as as twisted as Cronenberg is it's it doesn't seem like a match made in heaven. And it's funny even listening to interviews with Cronenberg where he's like, yeah, I wasn't sure that we'd like each other when we first met. And then <laughs> like they ended up having more in common than they thought. But um, I know I don't know about you because I know you really like the, the Vigo collaborations. I think, I think of those movies kind of being about violent men and about violent men, maybe try being affected by their history and how that mm-hmm. history comes back to haunts them, how that history sort of impacts the people around them, whether or not they want to acknowledge that history at all. I mean, one of these and movies is, is literally called a history of violence, but <laughs> you know, both that in Eastern promises, I think both are very much, e- even though they, they feel a little bit more prestige Cronenberg, they, they still feel very, Tied down to these ideas he has about like the body and our how our psychological selves relate to our physical selves, and about how we like inflict pain on other people. Um, I I don't know. I I just know that those are some of your favorite, and whether you had oh yes kind of larger thoughts about either of those movies.
1: I think it, what what stuck out to me, and and again, having seen those films, you know, in the past couple of years. The thing that impressed me is it's it's not even as much the visceralness of the violence, but it's Mm. him asking the question of how far people or is man willing to go in order to commit that heinous violence? What pushes them to that point? And I think the thing with Cronenberg is when he's willing to ask those questions is when I respond to him more as a film fan. Mm-hmm. Because the violence and the gore that, you know, fans more of like The Fly or, you know, Dead Ringers and whatnot respond to. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just reaction, it's contemplation. And I think or I should say that's why I'm a big fan of Crimes of the Future
0: mm-hmm. is
1: because it feels more like he's asking a question than making a statement.
0: Yeah, I think in some ways to bring us into this new film which as we've kind of mentioned it stars Viggo Mortensen along with uh Leia Sedu and Kristen, and Kristen Stewart. Stewart um it is set in a somewhat future i mean it's it's called Crimes of the Future it's set in the future some sort of dystopian future mankind has evolved into not being able to feel pain so kind of the crash comparison i mentioned earlier that was an, an easy through line i thought of kind of having revisited that movie in the week prior seeing crimes of the future and then seeing this movie sunday night and thinking oh this is this is these are cousin concepts of in mm-hmm. in this movie because people can no longer feel pain open surgery and kind of carving up one's body becomes a form of eroticism a form of expression Kristen stewart has an actual line in the movie that is sex is the new sur- or surgery is
1: surgery the new is sex. the new
3: sex which um,
1: <laughs> i think kind of summarizes this movie perfectly and exactly. summarizes cronenberg as a filmmaker right to a t um and it's it's the first film of his that i think goes further than just eroticism but into how or into the eroticism of art. Yes, and that's interesting, yeah. W- what stuck out to me so much about it is it's almost as if he is commenting on the previous films of his career, you know, the more visceral entertainment, a.k.a. what Viggo Mortensen and Leah Seydoux do for a career, right? versus this more new age kind of art that Scott Speedman is wanting to throw into the equation with his cult of plastic eaters.
0: Yeah. So there's kind of a lot of ideas. I I think there's Mm -hmm. kind of three central ideas going on in this movie. There's, there's obviously this one idea that we talked about. That's kind of like a world in which you are voluntarily uh, destroying your own body or, or voluntarily kind of cutting up your body as to sort of chase some sort of uh fulfillment. Right. And then the second piece of that is this kind of satire of the art world where mm-hmm. in the movie there are performance artists who have have sort of struck fame and and one of them is or a pair of them is played by Vigo Mortensen and Lacey Du. Vigo Mortensen's character is for whatever unexplainable reason is just growing new organs inside of his body and him and Leia Sedu have this elaborate act where he is put in this like bug like contraption that Leia Sedu controls on like a weird little like it almost looks like a stress reliever ball that on, shaped like on a her beetle chest. Yes, yes. But, and the, and it like is making all these like <laughs> sounds that would probably get this podcast shut down if I try to yes. like <laughs> imitate them but um you know there there is something like very both sort of primal and gross about the the him getting in this machine and she is sort of cutting open his body and like taking out these bizarre organs and displaying them for this crowd of people who are like ooing and awing and like videotaping and <laughs> taking right. pictures of stuff um but there is something like erotic about it as well and they have this very hot but also like very sweet in
1: places and in almost yes and Um, and it's it's the first time a relationship in a cronenberg movie i would say probably since a history of violence yeah has an earnestness
0: yeah and I, i think that and like this i think this would make an interesting trilogy with like that movie as the centerpiece and then the fly of like i do think even though that's a very tragic movie (laughs) there is like a sweetness to there is a sweetness to the jeff goldblum gina davis relationship in that movie that that makes sort of the ending of it so tragic and heartbreaking as much as you're just like i need to get the the trash can because i'm about to vomit (laughs) in it um and so like in this sort of satire of art world there's like their art is considered like cool and cutting edge. But then like it's, it's I've been was with some friends last night with a couple of them hadn't seen it and was joking about how like the ear guy in the trailers who's been, it's, it's like a very eye catching visual of this guy who's sewed his mouth and his eyelids shut, but has ears all growing out of every limb of his body. And, Immediately as he's doing his performance art, it cuts away to, like, someone talking to Vigo, and that person's just like, what a poser. His ears aren't (laughs) even functional. It's it's a criticism
1: of of a kind of art, which, you know, for what we do with film criticism, I think kind of works as this eerie similarity between, you know, digital journalism versus written journalism, at least Mm. that I read into things. Which I found to be kind of bold on the part of Cronenberg. Because it's it's himself acknowledging his own history with filmmakers and Mm. critics in terms of going from, you know, the more visceral, a.k.a. the ear man to the new age, simply, you know, ripping out organs and regenerating them. And it's the first time I think he's flirted with ideas outside of desire in this movie, Mm. which is something that stuck out to me. And I'm not saying it always works but it's interesting to see at this stage in career he's still willing to kind of turn the audience expectation on its head
0: yeah and and there's kind of this third theme that the movie is dealing with which is this idea of of human evolution and there are whether or not like these people like Vigo who are growing these unusual organs inside of their body mm-hmm. or you mentioned plastic eating i don't want to fully give it away but no, ba- no, 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 no. Ba- but basically like there are other people coming in and out of the movie who maybe have some form of mutation and there are, are these sort of there's this sort of aura of conspiracy surrounding the movie and people who have shifting alliances and it's sometimes a little confusing to follow but i mm-hmm. i went with it as just sort of like the movie and cronenberg ruminating on this idea of of change and biological change and forces in society that find that threatening and off-putting and it's against the status quo it's against what we've come to accept as like normal human biology and mm-hmm. it is it is a threat to It is a threat to the old world, but then this movie is also talking about like, well, maybe that, maybe it's inevitable that like, we evolve into new forms of being, and and that I almost thought by the end was like the most interesting aspect of this movie.
1: And I think it's it's um it's funny you bring that up, and not to get into spoilers of the ending, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna dance around this in the best way that I can, but it it. Leaves things in such a way to where the concerns of Vigo Mortensen and Leah Seydoux may not be the concerns going forward for those characters once the credits roll. Right. It, it leaves it in a way of where they wonder, well, is it all going to be okay in the end? Yes. And I think that's a rather broad idea that could probably be applied to things besides just film criticism, any sort of, old form of entertainment or media being replaced by another. I mean, you can make the same argument for VHS tapes being turned into DVDs or DVDs being refocused mm-hmm. into streaming. And it's something that I don't think Cronenberg has ever really tried before this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have to ask you because this is one thing and keep in mind, we both saw it on the same day. So it's been a little bit of time. Yeah. Let us digest can we say if Kristen Stewart is great or terrible in this movie? I
0: like the I like the Kristen Stewart performance, but acknowledge that it will be divisive and and was was probably like you very curious about it going in because yes. some of the reactions I had heard out of out of can and people who just sort of saw it like a couple of days before we did was right. some people really liking it some people being like she's awful it's way too man it's a very very mannered performance where she's she's making a lot of big acting choices i don't yes. think my hot take is i don't think it's that far off of like what she's doing and say like spencer which i guess also ultimately which we wound also up, saw together right which i guess also <laughs> what all ultimately wound up being like a very divisive movie anyway, but and people yeah. found that performance divisive. But I, I thought I thought she worked in this movie. She's not in she definitely has a very supporting part. I would say the yes. two clear leads are Leia Seydoux and Vigo Mortensen, who I would love to talk more about the Vigo Mortensen performance, which yes. I was really blown away about in a minute. Yes. But like Stuart who's doing this like very whispery voice with very like unusual, very specific diction um I, I don't know it's it's a goofy performance that I thought worked in a movie that is is so heightened I mean it's people like right. getting hooked up to like floating beds with like octopus tentacles that are also like part of a like bio mechanical technology like like it's and chairs to help with digestion right you know, that it's, look it's... like a praying mantis that's like hugging you and like yes mov- it. it <laughs> the a friend of mine who saw it with me like leaned over and was basically just like that's like the chiropractor machine from hell <laughs> 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 or said some joke about like that's that's basically what it's like when i go to the chiropractor and they're just like <clears throat> moving my body around and like cracking different stuff um so i i don't know it 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 worked for me did it did it work for you at all what what did you it, think of stewart in the movie
1: you know it's it's one of those performances that while i was watching It it kind of brought me back to what I thought about her in Twilight or, you know, before the world realized that Kristen Stewart was a very good actress. Mm -hmm. And when I came to that realization, I also came to the other that she's kind of in on the joke in this movie. Yes. And in on the joke of of what audiences initially thought she was. Mm -hmm. And I think in that regard, I really liked it because she's poking fun at herself. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, I think the real star here is Vigo Mortensen, even more than Leah Seydoux. Um, she's always a capable actress.
0: She, she's great, but I think is wrestled with more. She sort of has to be, I think, more of the emotional heart and emotional yes. through line of, of the, the movie. She has to be, I think the most relatable character Mortensen by comparison is, pretty much bedridden most of the movie he's he's yes. either like laying down sort of having surgery performed on him or is like shrouded in this almost like burka outfit because that I assume is because like he could so easily become ill by any random thing out in the world that he's like right. constantly having to keep himself covered and hidden or he's he's laying down because he's nursing a wound or he is like because his body is constantly mutating and changing from inside he's coughing and he's like he's and yes yeah like h- hacking up a hairball basically is what he sounds like as he's talking or <laughs> is like struggling to eat and coughing and um just just looks like the most ill uncomfortable like bedridden person um and it like I kind of feel like this is a performance I'm I'm going to be the rest of the year talking about. Like, you know what? That's one of the most underrated performances of the year, because he's very, very having to convey a lot and be both convey a certain relatability and Mm -hmm. um, empathy for his character. While also like is very constrained in like what he can and can't do on camera, but it it feels like a vibrant movie star performance.
1: 100%. And it's, the the type of performance that I hope actors take note of when they are needing to be reactionary, because it's a very reactionary performance, you know, Mm -hmm. just like you said, from kind of the heaving, the always, you know, playing with his Adam's apple, Mm -hmm. shrouded in basically cosplay as Darkman. (laughs) Like, it's, it's something that I don't think an actor... Lesser seasoned than Mortensen could accomplish. Mm-hmm. But as someone who's especially worked with Cronenberg before, maybe not in you know, the typical visceral wheelhouse that he's used to, mm-hmm. really makes the most of, yeah. and I think makes the most of in his silences, because essentially his character is is a survivor in terms of a world that may or may not leave him behind mm-hmm. and is doing whatever he can not to stay relevant. But to make sure he has a place in whatever this this new world order is, um, and it's it's broad in places and darkly funny in other places.
0: It's a funny movie, I, I think, as much it's as we're very like, because I think as much as we're selling Cronenberg as like someone who's always trying to provoke his audience, either like physically or mentally, um, and as much as his movies can be like. Gross and kind of slimy, and and yes. thinking of like ooze ooh, ooh. come like running down a wall, like you know they can also be pretty funny in places. I think he does oh, have yeah. a very like wry sense of humor. I think Stewart gets that. I think Mortensen gets that, and and I, I mean I I think everyone in this movie gets that, but I think Mortensen in all of the times he's worked with Cronenberg, I think Cronenberg knows how to use mortensen's sort of innate movie star looks and find ways to sort of pervert them whether yes. it's making it, having this sort of matinee looking guy be this bedridden sickly person in this movie or like a history of violence where you know he's 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 playing kind of the the good old american from just down in mayberry who does the right thing, and then slowly over the course of that movie, being like, No, this guy's a psychopath who's actually right. just like,
1: who's good with a gun,
0: right? Who's actually been just like pulling a charade over like his family and the people around him, or something like Eastern Promises, where like there is something both sort of like attractive and you kind of want to be around him, but also at the same time, you're like, This character that he's playing is very scary and could probably like kill someone in any moment right at any moment and is like very very dangerous but also there's something like really appealing you can't take your eye off of him about um right i I don't know and then i think mortensen has a certain openness as an actor of just like willing to let someone mold them mold him in the shape of the movie and, and exactly a willingness to to sort of give himself over to the material um, he's not someone I think of as having like any kind of vanity as no. as an actor.
1: No, it's it's interesting. It's interesting in his career having this movie come out when it has, because right. I think this is the first time we're seeing him write a line. You know, as we mentioned earlier, the tenderness in his scenes with Leah Seydu mm-hmm. between vulnerability and menace. Yes. Because you know, whenever he's in his I'm just gonna keep calling it Dark Man cosplay, he's there's there's an unpredictability in his eyes that I think fits this world so well mm-hmm. and almost world weariness at the same time to where yes. he's tired of everything that's going on, but he wants to keep going for as long as he can. Right. Um, but then he kind of shreds that all away in the scenes in his his I don't know how you would describe it, his almost human skin draped beetle pod yes <laughs> where he's almost like this this sad meek individual who's doing this just because he doesn't have anything else and i agree with you i'll definitely be right behind you championing championing this performance come later in the year
0: it's it's the kind of performance that like if he was playing if he was doing this performance and was playing Stephen Hawking he'd be like taking home an Oscar but because oh, he's playing someone with like a weird like I grow like weird mutant organs that we don't even know what they do and then like yes they do like gets a praying mantis claw to like rip it out of my abdomen or something like yeah you know it's, it's how you do reactions and I yeah. think
1: a filmmaker like Cronenberg is the only person who can get a performance like that out of an actor yeah. without making it feel like a caricature and not making it feel like, you know, this is a very broad comparison, so bear with me, like Adam Sandler, you know, do, trying to emphasize a poop joke in a Happy Madison movie. You know, it's, it's yeah. how you do it. And I would say, you know, qualms with this movie aside, because... I, I don't know what your overarching arcing issues are, but I think this is far from perfect.
0: No, I I would say but my it's biggest ambitious. yeah I would say my biggest issue, and I I mostly like really in, enjoyed this and enjoyed this as um kind of I think as I I mentioned out with drink out at drinks with some people last night of just sort of like old guys
3: still got it. He still got
0: it. <laughs> and I'm just and he like does. that that was just like my feeling like walking out of the theater of like great time. he's still got it in him. He's just like the same same you know this this isn't him I think like breaking new ground as a filmmaker no. but is him, you know, just being like I I still got the same spark, same wit, same capability of getting under your skin as i did as a young man and kind of what or what someone might say is like the peak of his career um Mm -hmm. and someone kind of coming back from a hypothetical retirement and being like no i'm gonna i'm gonna throw i'm not done yet i'm i'm gonna throw one more in for for the kids out there and i'm gonna i'm gonna show you how a pro does it and i i kind of enjoy when an old filmmaker is able to do that successfully i think if i do have a problem with the movie it's maybe just in places finding it a little hard to follow but i think even even then understanding the themes he's working with and it not being me being like i i understand what this movie is trying to convey even if i don't always on a scene-to-scene basis understand like so who is this person aligned with and are they part of the like segment of people that want to eliminate the mutants or are they like a double agent or something you know all that right. stuff can get a little confusing in this movie but i think the the themes are so confidently and clearly executed and stated and sort of embedded in every single scene every single visual moment of this movie yes. that like i i was not lost in it if that makes sense even though oh, i yeah. think the narrative i can find sort of hard to follow sometimes
1: and- and I'm in the same boat as you. I think it's it's his world building that kind of trips him up mm-hmm. along the way. Mm-hmm. Because it's very interesting. But, you know, the film itself, it's only 107 minutes. Right. And it's so, a very
0: small cast in very, like, yes, kind of sterile, minimal spaces. empty spaces. You know, it's not, like, crazy Blade Runner universe and no, stuff he's no, no, doing no, no, no. in, like... You know, it almost felt like he just dragged these actors to, like, some... Abandoned, like war torn city, and like the the eastern part of Europe or the Mediterranean yes. or, or whatnot, and was just like we're gonna shoot here for a couple months and like turn out some, you know, use kind of yeah. the the apocalyptic look of this environment to best suit us. Um, you know, it's not like there are really incredible special effects, but it's not like it's it's very economically. Yes, it's very economically used and like where where when the effects come in
1: right right and i will say it might have and might go down with one of my favorite endings of the year not to spoil the ending but i think for this journey there really isn't another way you can wrap things up Mm -hmm. and i think only a filmmaker like cronenberg could leave things this open but satisfying at the same time
0: yeah definitely
1: um and and i think at the end of the day what sticks out to me so much about this movie compared to you know again some of his lesser films over the years it's it's a willingness to flirt with a lot of different ideas Mm -hmm. even if the coalition of those ideas isn't this perfect perfect picture even just attempting to try and discuss them especially and i again I think you and I are on the same boat here when you have a performance like Vigo Mortensen's that's willing to go wherever Cronenberg says
0: yeah well Gabe thank you again for for joining us this week of um, course
1: I'm happy to be back
0: we'll we'll have to have you back uh, I would encourage all of our listeners if you if you haven't seen crimes of the future and you need a, a break from the the blockbusters this summer um, you know or which, if you
1: just if you can't handle Chris Pratt, you know riding bikes with dinosaurs, I'm just saying.
0: If 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 you're looking at <laughs> you're looking <laughs> at the 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 list of movies on your like Fandango this weekend to see, and we're like, we can watch Tom Cruise fly airplanes, or we could watch Chris Pratt ride a Velociraptor, or we could watch. Leia say do eat out a zipper that's been installed into Viggo Mortensen's stomach (laughs) I'm so glad we
1: (laughs) could bring that up and and make it a sensual zipper yes you know um only someone like Cronenberg gets away with it
0: happy date night America (laughs) oh my gosh
1: we needed this at Valentine's Day folks
0: yes yes exactly Congratulations on the movie. Uh, I got a chance to see it over, over the weekend and um, actually know you guys had a screening here in town last night at the, the amazing Plaza Theater. Um, a friend of mine was in attendance last night and said it really brought down the house and uh, was a great time. So just, I guess kind of as as we're reentering this, this moment of like communal experiences in theaters, just kind of like, what is, what is it like for you guys to just sort of see this on, a big screen and with a, a packed house. And I mean, Torian, for you specifically, I know you have a lot of connections here in Atlanta, your family's from here, and just sort of like having that kind of like special moment in a town that I'm, I am assume means a lot to you as well.
3: Yeah, it is, um, it's pretty unbelievable. Um, just being a part of this movie uh, really just did so much for me. It um, helped me find, confidence in myself and who i am it gave me a whole new group of really close-knit friends that mean the world to me um, and then getting to watch it on a screen with people just like the cherry on top um, and to be able to do that in atlanta where so many close family members live here um makes me quite emotional and is very surreal because I've never had that experience before. Um and then to have the audience receive it and feel like they're either seeing themselves on screen or they're pulling, you know, things that they're like, oh, you know, we've been to that part of Fire Island and we're, oh that's so like me and my friends. It's just it's it's unreal.
2: Yeah I I love being able to see it on the big screen, you know it, I'm so glad that the film is gonna be available on Hulu, you know, to stream for so many people. Um yeah, I, I I I'm still like a fan of going to, you know, a movie theater. Um, and so the fact that we get a, a couple of these screenings, you know, is really special to me because the movie is really about community and chosen family and 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 I think uh being able to watch this film with a bunch of people to share that experience, you know, um, that's, uh,
0: it, it's really like fun and meaningful for me. I guess just like what sort of drove both of you to kind of this project, I mean, how, how did you come across it and sort of decide like, this is something I need to be a part of and even kind of larger, like, how did you get into acting and where you're like, this is a way I want to express myself and have a, a larger career.
3: Um, for me, I've been acting since I was a kid. I did, like, I was a mouse in, like, Cinderella when I was, like, three years old (laughs) Um, at, like, the community theater back in the suburb of Chicago. Um, And then I actually had taken a break for a year um, before I got this movie to, I switched over into working in casting for TV and film. Um, And that's something that I've always wanted to do. I just want to bring more diversity and inclusion on the other side of the camera as well. Um, And then our casting director, Jess Monk, she emailed me about auditioning for the movie and she sent me the script. And uh, I know Joel from our comedy theater days back in Chicago years and years ago. Um, And when I saw that it was something that Joel wrote and then reading the script, it felt you could just tell right off the page, it was something so special. Um, And I knew that I wanted to be a part of it. So I pulled myself out of acting retirement, did the audition, Pray to the high heavens that, you know, I got any role in this movie. Um, And then I met with this guy over here and we talked. And once I talked to Andrew, um, that kind of solidified for me that I really want to be a part of it. Because just from the get-go, Andrew had such a vision um, and was just so welcoming and warm. And um, I'm just thankful that he said yes, Joel was down and that Searchlight and Hulu also were down to have me be a part of it.
2: I'm I'm uh, still so sad actually that um we didn't get uh, your cello into the movie. <laughs> yeah. um, when yeah. we had our wow. presentation, uh, Torian mentioned to me that he plays the cello.
3: Played the cello played the cello Did and not I, anymore, not present.
2: And I had I this really stupid idea where Max would take a cello to Fire Island. Um, which he
3: would <laughs> summers past summers past he did yeah. Uh, yeah
2: um yeah I uh uh I got sent the script um about a year into the pandemic um and uh you know at that point um I hadn't seen my friends in a really long time and I um you know hadn't Hung out with them, like gone dancing, gone, you know, drinking, like, you know, there was so much missing from my life. Um, And I saw in Joel's script, you know, um, what I wanted to experience. Um, I love that Joel's script um, uh, focused on a queer Asian American friendship. I uh, love that it celebrated queer joy and chosen family. You know, that. Uh, just felt like a really important thing um, to put on screen at this time. Um, and so I interviewed for it was super thankful that I got it, um, you know, uh, and I I just wanted to keep that excitement and energy um, kind of throughout the rest of the process, you know, in building this this cast and crew, like looking for people who, you know, understood how special this um, story is, you know, filmmaking, I, uh, I came into, uh, filmmaking through, um, independent film land. I made two, uh, indie films before this, um, spa night and driveways, um, that are much more dramatic in tone. Um, this is my first, you know, studio picture. Um, and, uh, you know, I love being able to have more resources you know, uh, have a bigger platform to get the work out there. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, it allows us to have a, a, a greater impact in culture. And so, um, you know, I, I'm so excited for, for, uh, audiences to,
0: to get to see, you know, uh, to get to see Fire Island. So I think one of the most interesting things about this movie to me is it's, it's obviously drawing a lot from Pride and Prejudice. And I was curious, for you, Andrew, of like, what is the balance you find between sort of staying true to the the themes and and familiar story beats of this like very iconic novel, but also finding a way to update it and recontextualize it and make it feel fresh and new and, and specific to, to this community as, as the novel is sort of very specific to women in this like very specific time and place, I guess is what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I'm so thankful that Joel did such a beautiful job with the adaptation, you know, uh, it seems really uh, difficult. Um, And I think it was a lot of work. At the same time, I think Joel really um, understood the connections between, you know, Regency era society and and, and gay people on Fire Island. <laughs> um, uh, and I think he had a lot of fun uh, working on the adaptation. Um, a- as a director, you know, I never wanted this film to be a parody. You know, uh, like I-, I never wanted it to, um, uh, you know, become unmoored from, you know, uh, this time and place. Um, and so, uh, you know, we definitely uh, talked a lot about you know pride and prejudice, but we talked more about you know these characters living in the world today, living in this place now, you know um, that that for me was always important. so um I, uh, I I didn't find the the um kind of balance to be difficult uh, you know, if anything, it was kind of, a great jumping off point uh, to then allow us to really like have fun and um, uh, make
0: the story uh, like um, work within itself. And and Tori, you mentioned you and the other cast members and this becoming kind of like a, a, a family unit in of itself. I'm curious, like the other thing that really stood out to me is it really does feel like, and there's such this electricity between all of you and feeling like you're all lifelong friends that have known each other for years and years. And oftentimes on sets like this, you don't get weeks, if not months, to form those bonds. And so I'm just curious of how, how that's able to happen, sort of any particular stories or, or moments of you guys bonding over the course of this movie.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, luckily um, there were already established friend groups within the cast, you know, Matt, Bowen and Joel are very, very, very close. There are some folks who did Broadway like Nick Adams, Tomas. Um, and so when I first came in, I had a little bit of a fear, like coming into an established friend group already. But like from the moment that we did our table read, um, we it was just very apparent that um, everyone was just down to, like, create this family. Andrew had us do an exercise where he set the core cast down, like the main house, um, and we just sat and talked about our gay experiences and the island um, and what this process is going to be like. And really, the moments of shooting, we had quite long shooting days, so we got to spend a lot of time together. But even the stuff that bonded us was the time when we um had breaks between um shooting and everyone would go to like bowen's trailer or comrade's trailer and we would watch like real housewives of beverly hills or rap Nicki minaj um and we had a few moments where we went out after we would have like a long shooting day and stuff like that and then we got to spend the last 10 days shooting on the island. We lived together. It was like gay summer camp. Um, but the biggest thing is everyone wanted to be around one another. And that's quite rare. Normally, when you get a group of actors together, there's egos, there's, you know, because it is such a strenuous process as well, sometimes you kind of just want to spend your downtime by yourself. And yet everyone really just wanted to be around each other. And now we have like a Text chain that we're all on that we text things all day every single day and it really was like from the get go such a quick bond and it was it was something so special and I've never ever had something like that before.
0: I guess since I got you guys for for one more minute, uh, I'll wrap it up with kind of a fun question of like, let's say Plaza and bites ba- you back again tonight. You get to do a triple feature, so each of you gets to pick one movie to kind of book in this one of like what what are your selections I would choose another
2: like queer Asian American rom-com I would go with Alice Wu's Saving Face um you know I really love that film I think it really set the stage for something like Fire Island to get made um, and so that would that would be my contribution okay and I'll go with Titanic
3: <laughs> <laughs> because why not have a little bit of drama Right. Um, um, so yeah, let's do Titanic to finish it, you know, all off. I think that would be perfect.
0: Wow. Yeah. In- incredible answer. Great, great way to end the night on a Celine Dion ballad. So uh, That's uh, what I'm saying. Exactly.
3: <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. Thank you guys so much for, for talking and, uh, congratulations again on the film. Thank, thank, you, you, so thank you so much. That wraps us up for this week on the latest. Stay tuned in the coming weeks be diving into more of the summer blockbuster season next week we are talking about jurassic world dominion the now sixth movie in the jurassic park franchise uh and in the coming weeks we'll be talking about uh the buzz lightyear movie um also catching up with probably some movies from the sundance film festival that are starting to come out and we'll talk about elvis boz lerman's Music, biopic, remix, whatever it is. It sounds nutty as and extravagant as all Baz Luhrmann movies are. So stay tuned in the coming weeks as we will discuss those things and more.